But today, a little bit different. Um, I, I had, a, I had a, a day on Wednesday. Uh, over the last four or five years, I've been in the habit of taking a personal spiritual retreat day. Every six to eight weeks or so, I'll, just, I'll take a day that's normally a work day, normally a get-things-done day, and I'll disappear either to, to somebody's awesome man cave basement, or I'll find a spot in a park. Sometimes I'll go to the library, but I'll go somewhere where I can just get away from some of the craziness. And, uh, but for me, it's been since... It's been since summer that I took a day like that, and so I, I took Wednesday, and I know this sounds like a total like pastor thing to do, get away and just spend the day with Jesus, but I really think that there's value for anyone beyond just being a pastor, and, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, kind of a segment of our mission, a segment of our, our vision here, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig it apart in a little bit more detail on January 7th as we kick off the new year, kind of talking about our mission to transform family trees with the gospel. But today is an element, and, and if you've had the chance to come to one of our growth track sessions on Sunday afternoons, we've talked about how we, we really want people to experience our Sunday morning services. We want people to engage in growth track and be able to ask questions and hear what we're all about. But we also want people, as time goes on, to, to do a couple important things. One is to get small. And that's get in a smaller circle, whether it's a small group or in a serving team. And, and we'll continue to unpack that over the months and years to come here at Fieldstone. And the other thing is the idea of getting away. The idea of getting away. And this is, this is something, again, that we'll build on as a church and we'll do more and more things to, to give people the, the, the skills and the things they need to be equipped to get away. Um, but I had a moment this week on Wednesday that reminded me of the power of getting away and, and I just felt like I needed to throw it at you while it's fresh in my mind and fresh on my heart. And, and it, this isn't something I'll do very often, because as a pastor, a lot of times it's difficult to, to find that line between work and personal stuff, and, and even when it comes to reading the Bible. Believe it or not, part of my job is to read and study the Bible and get ready for this stuff. And so sometimes I'm, I'm in the Bible and it's work, and sometimes I'm in Scripture and it's personal, and sometimes I'm spending time with God and it's, and it's for work, and sometimes I'm spending time for, with God and it's for myself. And so it's a very blurry line. And so I, I have a rule for myself where if, if I'm doing just some personal time, personal reading, things like that, I have to give myself at least like three to six months before that could ever turn into a sermon. So if I read a verse, I'm like, oh my gosh, the, everybody needs to know this. I'll, I, I force myself to have a gap there because I want to make sure that, number one, I'm having a chance to actually process that over time, but also to make sure that my personal time doesn't bleed over into work time and then it just becomes work, okay? So this, is, this will be a rare thing for us, but today I felt like I needed to throw it out to you and, and take a break from the series um, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, uh, I, I've shared a few times over the last few weeks or months uh, that I grew up in church. It, it's kind of always been my thing. My dad's a pastor. My uncle's a pastor. Uh, my grandparents were super involved in church as they got older. Uh, my brother's a volunteer at his church. So church is kind of our thing. And so even from a, a very young age, I knew God. Uh, I knew God. And, and even younger than that, I knew about God. I, I was learning things about God my whole life. And, and Throughout the years, as I got through middle school and high school and college and into adulthood, there have been things that I've been pretty good at when it comes to faith and spirituality, if you can say it like that, being good at something. Um, I would say other than a few random points in my life, I've always been pretty good at trusting God. Uh, faith has been a, a pretty good, strong point for me. But there have been things that over the years that have always been struggles and things I've had to work through and find ways to get over and get better at. Um, I've talked about this uh, in previous sermons where 
Holy Spirit stuff has always been a little bit of a weakness for me. Some of that's the way I grew up. Some of it's, um, you know, just my own thing of, of, of trying to figure it out. When, when it comes to miracles and, and healing, you know, a lot of that stuff has been difficult for me to wrap my mind around. So that's been a weak spot. Um, maturity has been a little bit of a weak spot, okay? Sometimes that's a youth pastor's curse. You hang out with teenagers all the time. I just talk like a teenager and end up uh, looking stupid sometimes. But um, even more than just acting grown up, it's been that balance between... Uh, being fun and silly and being serious and being able to embrace healthy tension at the right times. I remember being, as an intern at, at our church in Grand Rapids, I remember sitting in board meetings that I was invited to, and anytime things got really tense or if there was a, 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 an important conversation going on, I would just have this itch within me to, to say something funny or break the tension or, or, or release that somehow. And so it was always kind of that trying to figure out, okay, when can I be silly? When can I be serious? How, how does that work? Um, another thing that I always, have always struggled with even to today is, is finding the balance between uh, confidence and arrogance and humility. Really, and, and really all three are, are different things. And it's a fine line. It's easy to cross. Grew up playing sports, and so you, you kind of walk that line between being confident and being cocky and trying to be humble at the same time. So those are, those are three things that have always been a little bit of a struggle for me throughout my life and even growing up in church. And, and there's one thing that's probably always been there but really didn't reveal itself until I got older, uh, and that's the difficult balance between work and rest trying to find that balance between those two things. And, and obviously, as you get older, life gets busier. You add a family to the equation. Uh, work gets more intense. You have more responsibilities. There's more expectations, and it's difficult to find that. Now, uh, work and rest has several different aspects to it. It's not just I'm at work or I'm at home. It, th there's different aspects to it because there's, there's the daily grind where in a given day, you have to make the choice, am I going to work uh, these nine, ten hours straight, not taking a break, I'm, in, I'm on a roll, or am I going to take a lunch break? All right, I, I have days like that. I had a day like that on Thursday where I was working on some things and just in a groove, decided, you know, I'm going to skip lunch today, just keep on going uh, and get some things done. And so there's that daily balance of work and rest and work and taking a break, making, making sure you get some nourishment and things like that. In addition to the daily, there's the weekly routine. All right, are you a five-day-a-week employee? Are you a six-day-a-week employee? Do you take a, a day off at all, trying to find that balance between working nonstop and taking some days off, and then you have seasons where you need to work every day and seasons where you can take a couple days, and so there's a, there's a balance to find there. There's a balance to find at home. You get home from work, and there's things to accomplish there. There's stuff to do in the yard, stuff to do in the garage. There's stuff to do in the kitchen. There's, there's leading and working and, and finding time to chill with the kids and, and play and things like that. So there's, there's all these different aspects of life where there's that balance to be found in it. And that also carries over into the spiritual side as well. I've, growing up, I've always, uh, I had always struggled to really have a, a legit, uh, deep life of prayer. All right? I, I struggled to pray. I struggled to connect with God on a deep relational level and, and to, to see him as, more than just this faraway entity, more than just an idea, more than just another task to complete every single week. And, and some of it was some of it was growing up in the church tradition I grew up in, where, where us Baptists, it tends, we tend to emphasize the academic side and, and the knowledge side, and, and so that starts to take over. Some of it was my personality, very task-driven, 
very, uh, very routine-oriented. I, I want to perform. I want to accomplish things. And so it's easy to get in that mode where God is just another checklist uh, throughout the week. And some of it was just my own laziness in pursuit of Christ. Just, and, and I think some of that is being a pastor's kid. Your faith and church and Bible stuff has kind of delivered you on a silver platter. It's always there. It's never something you really have to pursue uh, and so it's, it, some of it was just laziness on my, on my part. And so this was always a struggle until I was introduced to the idea of rest and listening and unplugging. And it's what I now call getting away. And so that verbiage has kind of made its way into uh, our, our lingo here of, of, of getting away. And, and I have, I've certainly not perfected it, but I'm growing in. And, and what I'm learning is that my ability and my choice to stop and be quiet and get away in, in various forms has an irrefutable impact on my walk with Jesus. It has an impact on my life here on earth. It has an impact on who I'm becoming. My choice to stop and take a break. And, and, and there's a tension that I had to come to grips with that really kind of changed things for me. And I had to realize that I was, in, I was experiencing a relationship with Jesus with only as much depth as my crazy 21st century life would allow. And I'd be willing to bet, as I look around the room at other human beings sitting here, that most of you are experiencing a relationship with Jesus with only as much depth as your crazy 21st century life will allow. And that depth is limited. That experience is limited. That kind of relationship with Jesus is limited. And so for some people, because of that, that, me that means never getting any further than, the, than that moment of, yes, I believe. Yes, I'm trusting Jesus. Yes, I'm giving him my heart. And, that, and that's not horrible because in that moment, there is forgiveness, there is salvation, there is freedom from our sin, there's freedom from our guilt. But a relationship with Jesus is so much more than a one-time experience. And our busy, crazy 21st century lives prevent us from going any further in that, than that one experience. And that's why, that's why uh, uh, if you have kids who have been in youth group stuff, or I, I grew up in that setting, or even as adults, that's why things like concerts and retreats and conferences and all that stuff are so addicting because we get that experiential high, we get that one moment, we get that, that awesome day or that awesome week with Jesus, and it's great, and then we come back home and it kind of goes back to normal, and that one event, that one experience never adds any depth beyond that. And if that's the life we're experiencing, we're not horrible people. That's just the reality of life. It's busy. There's lots of stimuli. There's responsibilities. There's expectations. There's all kinds of options available to us on any given day or any given week. And if you have kids, you throw that stuff in there too because they've got options and they've got things going on. And that gets added to the stuff you have going on. And so time with God gets lost in the shuffle. And all the potential that comes with that time with God is lost with it. But here's, here's an interesting thing. Would you believe me if I told you that Jesus struggled with this same tension, with this same issue, the craziness of life, trying to find time to get away, trying to find time to spend with God? He definitely did. So I, I want to I I talk about Jesus, but I want to go back even further, Okay. I'm going to go back even further than Jesus. Think about creation first. Is you read through the uh, Genesis 1 and 2, and, and God takes the six days, and he creates everything, and on the seventh day, it says that he rested. 
And so then we come to Exodus chapter 20, where Moses is giving the Ten Commandments to God's people. He's starting to establish, okay, I've, I've pulled you out of Egypt. You have a bit of a history. Now, now things are really going to take off. And so this is what I want your life to look like. This is what I want your nation to look like. This is what I want your culture to look like as a people. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, he gives one of the Ten Commandments and says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, keeping it set apart, keeping it different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so did God need rest? No. If you're strong enough to make everything, you're strong enough to not take a day off. And yet he did. He didn't need it, but he was setting an example. Similar to, we talked about baptism a few weeks ago, where did Jesus need to be baptized to go off and do what he had been called to do, what he was sent to do? No, he didn't need to be baptized, but he did it in the midst of other things to set an example for us of what he wanted us to do as followers of him. And so that's what God is doing. He's saying, God doesn't need rest, but he wants us to rest. And so he rested. And he commanded his people to rest one day a week. He says, I created you to sleep. I created you to rest. I, and I will bless you more in those six days than I would if you worked all seven. Because your rest is an act of obedience to me. It's an act of worship to me. And God even went further. He even commanded that as they were farming the land, that every seven years they would let the land rest. So he said, I want you to take the seventh day off, and then I want you to work for six years, and I want you to give the land rest for seven years. So I want you to take a step back, back off on the work, back off on the farming, and let everything rest. So you rest, the land rests, the nation rests. But they weren't great at it. And God even shows how serious he was about it because they went so long without giving the land its seventh year rest that eventually God allowed Babylon to come and send them into exile and they were gone, punished, out of the land for the same number of years that they had skipped of seventh-year Sabbath rest for the land. And the land had its rest one way or another. So God is serious about that. He's, he's built it into our bodies. He's built it into our pursuit of success. He's built it into our relationship with him. And so it's clearly a big deal. So now we fast forward to Jesus. Jesus, uh, first one I want to look at is in uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, and Jesus here, is, he's... He's into his ministry. He's doing all kinds of healing, all kinds of teaching. He's, he's doing amazing things. And he comes to a point where this happens. Luke 5, verses 15, verse 15 and 16. So the news about him spread all the more. You can imagine. If somebody came into Milan and was uh, healing people's sight and healing people's ears and, and taking the lame and helping them to walk. If, Jesus, if, if somebody showed up and started doing that, word would spread pretty quickly. So the news spread about him all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So there's still more to be done. There's still people pursuing him. There's still people coming to hear him teach and be healed and let their loved ones be healed and, and experience him in some way. And, and even with all this amazing stuff that's to be done that, that makes my task list feel really foolish, like, like all right, I got to... Uh, all right, I got to uh, mess with that sermon a little bit. I got to call that one person and follow up. 
Got to make sure the band is ready. Got to call Brian and Miriam, see that they're good. Like, that feels important on Tuesday morning. But then you find out, like, okay, Jesus' task list was raise that dude from the dead, forgive their sins, um, uh, eventually die for the whole world. Like, that, that's a pretty intense task list. So, so Jesus has some stuff to accomplish, and yet at the same time, he still withdrew. He still got away. He still took a break by himself. There's, a, there's another busy stretch uh, that it talks about in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1. Um, and the same type of deal. All kinds of stuff that Jesus is accomplishing. He's teaching. He's healing. He's doing his thing. And here in Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, I hate that part because I'm not a morning guy. Uh, While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Like, that word exclaimed. Peter's coming around. Everyone's looking for you. You're off by yourself. And I love this. Everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. I love that. That, Like, (laughs) as someone who's kind of a natural introvert, I love that. Like, everyone's looking for you. There's people who want to be healed, and they want to talk to you, and they want to become followers. Mm, Let's go somewhere else. (laughs) Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he got up early. He got to jump on the craziness. He got time alone with God. There was still so much for him to, to do, so much to be done in that town. And yet he got away, and he took a break. And in the midst of that, was able to be refreshed on what, what the next move was. He was getting direction from God. He got away. You can look at Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 13. John the Baptist, his cousin, probably one of his best friends, has just been killed. And Jesus' first response, it says, upon hearing the news, he withdrew to a solitary place. Same reaction. His first response in the midst of grief, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of stress, in the midst of, of, of an overwhelming situation was to get away. He didn't get away to be an introvert. He didn't get away to be antisocial. He got away to be with his father and to live out the message that he had brought, that you can come to me. Everyone who is weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He was seeking that in his own father in the midst of craziness, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of stress, in the midst of grief. He got away. And then he goes even further, a couple pages over in Mark chapter 6. And Jesus says, uh, in this moment, he sent his disciples out and they've had an opportunity to go out and do what he does. So Jesus has been teaching, he's been healing, he's been casting out demons, he's been doing miracles, and he pulls the disciples in and says, all right, listen, I'm giving you authority and power to go and do the same stuff. So he sends them out two by two, they go and do their thing, and we pick it up in Mark 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 30. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now, I can picture the disciples coming back from this because they're like you and me. They haven't seen this kind of stuff before. They're watching Jesus, and somehow they were fortunate enough to be called and asked to be in his, in his, his crew, and they're walking around, and he's teaching things they'd never heard before. He's doing things they'd never seen before. And he says, listen, you can do the same stuff. Go out, take a buddy. And these guys come back. I'm like, did you, like, 
we went over here, and the guy couldn't walk, and I touched his legs, and I prayed, and the guy got up and walked. It was crazy. And this other lady came, and she couldn't see. She hadn't seen her whole life, and I, and I, like, I, I tried to do that thing Jesus did, so I spit in her eyes, but it went in her, like, it went in her mouth, and it was really embarrassing. I, I screwed it all up. But I prayed, and I touched her eyes, and she could see. It was crazy. And this other guy came, and he was totally possessed like he had a demon. Not that kind of thing where it's just a rebellious teenager and dad's really concerned, but like legitimately <laughs> possessed by a demon. And I cast it out. I said, in the name of Jesus, my friend who sent me here, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon went out. It was crazy. Jesus, we got to do more of this. <laughs> like you talk about a conference high or a concert high or like just a great moment in time, that's got to be a spiritual high, right? Like, like excited to get back out. And so Jesus' first response is, hold on. You've seen me teach, and you've seen me heal, and you've seen me serve, you've seen me work, and I've empowered you to do it. But listen, you've also seen me get away. And so now in this moment, in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of your high, in the midst of the victories that I've given you, in the midst of some of the struggles, some, sometimes they, they, not every situation was perfect. In this moment, come away with me. Let's get away together. And so Jesus, in, in, this, in this crazy balance between fully God, he was also fully man, and so he rested. He got away on his own, and he got away with his friends to rest, to reconnect with God, reconnect with who he was and what he was sent to do. In John 15, just a, just a filthy chapter in the best way. John chapter 15, talking about the vine and the branches. And, and in 15 verses 4 and 5, Jesus is saying this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. All the things we want to accomplish, all the things we want to do, all the successes we're pursuing, all the stuff we're trying to balance, we can't bear fruit in those things unless we remain in him. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so in the midst of these crazy 21st century lives, some of the spiritual things God wants us to experience. Some of the characteristics that he wants us to embody. Some of the truth that he wants to speak into our lives. Some of the aspects of our relationship with him cannot be experienced. They cannot be discovered unless we get away. Unless we step back. Unless we rest. And it was this type of experience that I had on Wednesday, and, and I, I try to pursue regularly, and I implore you to pursue in your life. Get away. It's a chance to talk to him. It's a chance for him to talk to you. He does. It's a chance to just be quiet. It's a chance to rest. Now, I recognize everybody's at a different place, and so maybe jumping right into a full day away or a weekend away sounds a bit much. Maybe that's a little bit intense, so I want to throw something a little bit, kind of a couple steps you can take to build up to that type of a scenario, okay? Now, some of you might need something extreme right now. Maybe you're off the deep end with craziness, and you need to disappear for a couple days. But let's do this. How about, let's start with kind of the baseline thing when it comes to this idea of getting away. First thing, schedule a Sabbath day. 
schedule a Sabbath day. This is one day a week when the normal routine stops, no work, no homework, no sports. It's going to look different for everyone, but here's the thing. Like, Sunday's the Sabbath day or, or whatever. Sunday ain't no Sabbath for no pastors. And so it's got to be different, okay? It's going to look different for everyone. But Psalm 4610, it just says, be still and know that I am God. Find a day where that can be true, where one day is his. It's for him. It's for his purposes. It's the day to rest. For me, that's Mondays, okay? And, and Kathy and I have been in the, the ministry game long enough that we know things pop up on Mondays and things come up in our church family and stuff comes up and you got to jump into work mode, totally fine. But almost every Monday, I'm going to be tough for you to find, all right? I'm not checking email. I'm really careful about which text messages I respond to because some of them are a trap. Uh, <laughs> most, most, <laughs> most phone calls go to uh, voicemail, uh, not working on stuff. I play some Xbox. Uh, Kathy and I go get sushi. It's just kind of a day to chill and turn the brain off and not think about work and not think about some of the craziness. And, and some of you are sitting there, and I know that some of you have schedules that are just ridiculous, all right? It's six, seven days a week. It's 10 hours a day or more. But here's the thing. Some of you are sitting there saying, I don't have time for that. I don't have space for a Sabbath day. There's too much going on. So if you're sitting there saying, I don't have time to, take a, to schedule a Sabbath, then I'd say, brother, you don't have time not to take a Sabbath. Jesus came to save the world, and he took a day off. You can find some time to schedule a Sabbath day. I know it's tough because you got kids' schedules and things like that. Find a day when you can turn off. Schedule a Sabbath day. Second thing is this, and, you kinda, and this is all kind of part of the same. Second thing is I encourage you to establish daily and weekly spiritual habits. Daily and weekly spiritual habits. These are long-term things that you can do daily to foster your relationship with Jesus. And the Sabbath is part of that. That's part of a routine. But that, that means some, some time uh, in Scripture, reading the Bible. That means some time in prayer. Maybe just some time to be quiet. Think of it this way. Imagine your relationship with your husband or your wife, or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with your best friend. And, and imagine a, an athlete. Imagine a musician. And what if they never connected with that person? What if they never practiced? What if they never worked out? What, what if you didn't talk? What if you didn't spend time together? Clearly, I think we'd all admit that relationship would deteriorate. Those skills would deteriorate. Those talents would start to fade a little bit. It's the same with God. It's that daily opportunity to connect, that weekly opportunity to connect and talk and hear from him. It's all part of the deal. So for me, it's uh, my, my general routine, and this you know, changes if I'm in a tree stand or vacationing or whatever. My daily thing is, and this ends up being about four to five nights a week, is just time uh, reading the Bible. Uh, I'll start with a chapter, and if something grabs me, I'll stop. If something doesn't grab me, I'll keep reading. Um, but it's just time in the Word, and then I'll spend time reflecting on that. Okay, what is it about this chapter that's grabbing me, Lord? Why did this verse stop me in my tracks? What, is this, what does this word mean? Okay, I'm going to Google that word and find out what that meant. What's he talking about here? There's so many resources available, so it makes it kind of cool. Um, and sometimes if I, if I finish a book of the Bible and I'm just not feeling the next one yet, I'll grab an awesome 
uh, book by an author that I love and, and have experienced before, and I'll dive into that book for a week, and then I'll pick back up with another book of the Bible. And that usually ends up being four to five nights a week. I'm not a morning person. I've tried it. I can't get up early like Jesus, okay? I'm just a man. I'm just a man. So I do it at night. I go to bed. Uh, I try to get in bed, you know, 20, 30 minutes before Kathy does, just so I have a little bit of that time just to read and be quiet. Because um, when she comes to bed, she's annoying and bugs me. And, and Seriously, almost every night it's like, we could have had a conversation an hour ago downstairs when we were both sitting on the couch watching TV. But now that I'm out of the room, you need me for something. I'm trying to talk to my Savior, Okay. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. So that's my daily thing. Uh, throw in there what, what I've incorporated since uh, jumping into this Fieldstone thing. I'm trying to be serious here, okay? Just chill out, everybody. I've incorporated Tuesday mornings for about anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. I'll start my week with some quiet. Um, and sometimes that's just sitting and listening. Sometimes uh, there's music involved there. Sometimes... Um, sometimes I'll read something, but a lot of times it's just, I'll just sit somewhere where it's quiet with the goal being that the rest of the week, my task list, anything that I pursue that week comes out of that quiet. It comes out of that time with God uh, so that he's kind of directing things for the coming week. Uh, Sunday mornings, I either try to get here a few minutes early or I'll sit at home or I'll sit in my car and just give God a few minutes of quiet and dedicate the day to him. So that's part of my weekly routine. And then Monday nights, uh, that's Kathy and I's night to pray together. We'll, we'll pray together on Monday nights right before bed. And that sounds super spiritual, but honestly, it's pretty lame. We, um, it's, it's like, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean it's really easy to pray with other people. Sometimes it's awkward. And so half the time, it's awkward. The other half the time, we're giggling through it. Um, sometimes she has to convince me that I need to stay up 10 more minutes so we can pray. So it's nothing special. It's just something we've tried to incorporate as a weekly routine, a weekly spiritual habit for us. And again, it's going to be different for everybody. Other people dive in and they read a little, they pray a little. Some people sit quiet. Some people like to journal, whether they journal their thoughts or journal their prayers. I'd encourage you, if you, have a, if you don't have a Bible, look up the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great app. There's reading plans on there. There's, there's videos to watch on there. There's things to engage with. Uh, if, you're, if you're thinking more of a devotional, it'll be easier. Like, I don't know if I can read the Bible. It's kind of goofy. Um, go to Amazon and search devotional for fill in the blank. There's a devotional for everybody. There's devo search devotionals for young moms, devotionals for athletes, devotions for uh, uh, old people. I don't know. Search anything. <laughs> And there will be a devotion for it. There's something for everyone because somewhere along the line, some old guy was like, there's no devotional for old people. I'm going to write one. So there's things available for you to dive in and start creating some spiritual habits, some daily things to read, some weekly things to engage in. Get up early. I don't care. Stay up a little later. Go to bed a little earlier. Take a long lunch. One of the things I've done before in seasons where things were just really crazy is I committed that during my commute, um, and the last time I did it was a season where the commute was 20 to 40 minutes, depending on traffic, just no radio, no music, no sports talk, no news radio, nothing, just quiet. And for the first few minutes, it's always a little bit crazy because you got things running through your head and things you're trying to think about. But then amazingly, after 10, 15 minutes, things start to quiet down and you actually 
your, your brain rests a little bit and your spirit rests a little bit. And it's a great way just to find, so find some of those natural points in your day and your week when you can experience some quiet, when you can get away in some way. So we got the schedule of Sabbath day. We have established some daily, weekly habits. Third thing is this, and this is something maybe to build towards, is incorporate seasonal spiritual retreats. That was my day on Wednesday. Um, every six to eight weeks or so, I try to find a day when I can just get away and be quiet with no phone, no Twitter, no email. Um, and I, I actually have a, a book that I use. It has uh, uh, several guides for spiritual retreat days. You can go on Google and search that as well. Spiritual retreat day guides are available there. Um, and then twice a year, I get away for long weekends with a group of guys that I've formed relationships with over the years. And it's, and it's a great mix of spreading out and having alone time and just listening and throw in coming together and kind of sharing what God's doing in our lives and what he's speaking to us in those moments. And then there's some guy time, just, you know, just some guy stuff. And, and so there's like different opportunities for things like that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, oh, he's right. We should totally do a women's retreat this winter. No, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for, okay? I know that you're excited about that kind of stuff. And trust me, that stuff is coming, all right? But remember, our church is three months old, and if you look around, the people around you, most of them are, are still trying to figure out if they'll trust a pastor who can't grow a beard and wears Jordans, okay? So, like, we're in our early stages. All that stuff will come. All that stuff will come. I'm talking about you, okay? You don't need a men's retreat. You need 10 minutes alone with your Bible and Jesus. You need a day away by yourself to be quiet and see what God might have for you, okay? This is not an event. This is not something to get refreshed and then come back and restart the next downward spiral. This is to come home and incorporate what you heard, what you learned, what you experienced, to come home and expand on your daily and weekly habits based on what you experienced while you were away. This is to come home and experience a fuller Sabbath because of what God is doing in your life. And this is a chance to experience what David talks about in Psalm 116, a return to rest for my soul. And that's what this is about because things are so crazy. We don't experience depth with Christ because this 21st century life doesn't allow it and so we have to force it. And we've a few weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit's power. In some ways, this is a chance to experience that on a deeper level. Not out here, but in here. Because And, and out here will happen, okay? And I feel like I use these hand motions every week. We got out here, we got in here, and we got in here, okay? We can almost make a little um, uh, rock, paper, scissors game out of it. Out here, in here, and in here. This part is for in here. This is for you and your God to have some time together. And, and, and I'll close out with this. The, the band is going to come and do one more song for us um, because a turning point for me was, was a few years ago, had an opportunity to lead a short-term missions trip to Colombia. Spent a lot of time in, in the city of Bogota. And now some of you are thinking, oh, we should totally do a missions trip this summer. Relax, okay? <laughs> It'll happen. But we're there in Colombia and one of my favorite parts, we, we got to get away and spend some time in the slums of Bogota. And when I say slums, like, it was the very definition of the word. There may be a, a picture of Bogota in the dictionary next to slums because it was, it, was, it was rough. But thousands upon thousands of people living there, kids growing up there. And in the midst of these slums was a missionary woman named Mary. 
and her whole life had been devoted to this area. Had never been married, uh, never even wanted to be, just, just got a taste of what God was doing in this area and gave her life to it. And so she's serving there in these slums, and we're sitting around her kitchen table and, and kind of talking about her life and her routine, and, and she kind of gets around to saying, yeah, with between working with the little kids here and working with the, the, the single moms and, and the teen moms and, and things like that, I just, you know, between that and, and spending time with Jesus on my own, I, I really only get time for like two to three hours of sleep a night, and I skip a lot of meals, and, and, but I just spend a lot of time serving and praying and ministering, and, and so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, that's got to be miserable, because I'm big on sleep, I'm big on food, and, and like the fact that this lady has given her life to this, I said, so Mary, in all seriousness, how do you survive that schedule? How, how, how does that work for you? And she said, without skipping a beat, well, the Holy Spirit sustains me. And me, being the pastor that I am, started laughing because I thought she was joking. So I started laughing at her. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do you really handle it? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, she burned a hole into my soul and said, the Holy Spirit sustains me. Now, am I encouraging you to go on a two or three hour a night schedule? No. But this lady just challenged me and reminded me that it was her time with Jesus that sustained her, not just spiritually, but it carried over to her physically and mentally. And that was the thing that driving her time with Jesus was her sleep. Her time with Jesus was her meal. And it was the most amazing thing. And I was so ashamed of myself that I got to that point in my career, a lifelong Christian in ministry for so many years. And here this, this amazing woman in the slums of Bogota is reminding me about the power of getting away what God has for us, who he wants us to be, the relationship that he desires to have for us. The depth can only be experienced if we allow ourselves to get away. Got to find the time. Let's pray. God, we love you. And, and uh, even as we ponder this, I know I'm, I say all this up here, God, and yet I think of my own schedule, and it's still too crazy and still so hard to to find time to spend with you and focus on you and just devote it to you. God, so often it's even just distracted time with you. And so God, as we all kind of process this last song and go into our weeks, I pray that you would not leave us alone on this. Because God, this may be the issue that we have to deal with as believers in, in, in the 21st century here in America is the distraction from you, the time that we don't get with you. And so God, I pray that the things that happen at this church, the things that happen outside of these walls would grow in large part because of what you're doing in our lives. Not because you forced it on us, but because we've intentionally given ourselves space to get away with you. God, I pray it would happen. I pray that we would experience all the promises that you've promised that happen when we do get that time with you, when we do connect with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.